Uh, welcome to another episode of the Property Nomads podcast. We've got some really exciting topics that we're going to be talking about today. Air source heat pumps and renewable heat incentives. I sat some training with the people that are on the show today uh, a few weeks ago at, at the time of recording. A few weeks ago, uh, it was phenomenal. The training was incredibly well run. I'd highly recommend if you like this sort of thing, because this is where a lot of uh, the economy is going in the grand scheme of things. I highly recommend you check these guys out. It's Clive and Mark from Optimum Energy UK. A gentleman, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. And um, thank, thank you for that flattering introduction uh, that we're glad we wrote. <laughs> yeah, we uh, certainly enjoyed the training when, when I'd done it as part of learning more about air source heat pumps and, you know, I guess, electrification of you know, property and things moving forward. A lot of things that you know, you both know a lot more about. But before we deep dive into that, uh, just tell us a little bit more uh, about Optimum Energy and, and yourselves. <laughs> we, we both got a pregnant pause there waiting for the other one to kick in, Robert. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off if that's okay with Clive. Um, the, um, yeah, I mean, it started, uh, I think it was 2012, um and uh, it was started as a as a micro consultancy um actually initially uh, in the isle of man uh, and then we moved and um went came back to the uk six or seven years ago that bleeping in the background by the way was another email come through so i will shut that down in a moment um and, and we've kind of evolved over time uh, about I don't know, four or five years ago, something like that, we started to do installations and it grew and we kind of got known as the guys that would take on the weird stuff. Um, so we've done some of the more challenging, interesting uh, jobs. Um, and uh, it, it, it's still evolving now because there is um, one of the things you said to us previously was that one of the issues is, is education of the market and what's out there and there's there's so many myths about heat pumps which we kind of i won't discuss at the moment but that, that are there to be busted um and you know ultimately this is down to uh increased uptake of the market that the government want to see um because it is clean uh, low carbon technology and um we have been kind of moved towards training more and more and even since the training we did on behalf of the government for bays um we've been appointed by a a major manufacturer whose whose name i won't mention just at the moment to undertake training for them uh, around the uk anyway and they've already been approached by another government um, uh, to do training for them. So kind of that's us. It's principally myself and my colleague, co-director Clive, um, who, who um, run the company. Um, and we have a lot of talented people that we work with and we're pleased to work with. So um, that's kind of us in a nutshell. Um, and we're both, we're both really old and we've made enough mistakes to know what we're doing going forward, we hope. I can only agree with Mark. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I joined Optimum for um, nearly uh, around about two years ago now. Um, but I, I I've, I've been in the industry as as long as Mark has, um, starting as a as, as an engineer, um, and then uh, moving up through various um, positions in various companies. Um, and um, recently, my focus has been on uh, surveys, heat loss calculations, um, 
the design side of things for the last few years. Um, and we've we've pulled our resources and uh, as Mark says, we're now heading in a, in a, in a new direction, quite an exciting one for us, um, uh, focusing on, on the training, putting the experience that we've got to what we hope is good use and focusing on training guys to, um, to, to bring them into the industry because there's a terrible shortage of knowledgeable, and I'm not going to say um, qualified or, or trained because people are trained in all kinds of different ways, but not um, experienced in heat pumps, um, uh, tradesmen to do design and installations. Um, there's, and there's, that shortage is only going to get worse uh, in the short term until it can get better through a lot of training. So an area that we think um, we're, we're, we're reasonably good at, um, if we like, blowing our own trumpets, but we've got the experience and the knowledge that we want to pass on. We think that's a much better way of doing things than just doing more installations. And, and just just so we're clear, I mean, we'll touch upon sort of the basics of, of what a heat source pump is for those that are listening that might not know. We'll touch on that in a second. Mm. But is it fair to say that this is all driven by this, uh, you know, 2050 plan of you know, zero carbon emissions or, or, you know, offsetting everything? And therefore the focus then is changing from coal, gas, etc. to more sustainable forms of energy, i.e. electricity possibly nuclear, that's a different story, mainly electricity. And this is where this gap in the market has opened up. Is that a fair assessment? If Mark doesn't mind me carrying on. Yeah, it is um, mostly. I mean, certainly awareness is, is increased exponentially over the last 12 months. Um, not Nothing to do with COVID so much, but more to do with uh, climate change recognition and, and people's recognition of the need to reduce CO2 emissions. Um, I mean, heat pumps have been installed in this country uh, since the 1950s, as far as I can um, not recall, because that's before my time. But um, certainly, you know, that's when they, they started. But the industry really started to gather pace uh, in the early 2000s. Um, and um, from kind of like 2010 onwards, when it became... When, when there were recognised, uh, more recognised government grants. There were there were always some form of grant in the early days, but it was a, a, quite a small amount. But with with the government grants that are available at the moment, um, that certainly helped um, the, the industry grow. But there are, I think, the, the, the as you say, the gap, if you like, in, in um, uh, getting getting people's knowledge is it, it's becoming let more people people are becoming more aware of it of, of the need to um, reduce CO2 emissions so one way they can do that is by getting rid of um, oil and gas boilers and putting in a heat pump of course mm. so a, a lot of a, uh, a lot a lot of food for thought there I, I'd say and th- these are going to be sort of part of the massive changes that I think we're going to have within just the property industry, uh, yeah, globally as well. To be fair, you know, within our generation, probably future generations as well. Uh, going going to the very basics though, and I'm sure there's people out there that might not know what a heat source pump is and how they work. In, if you can do it in a nutshell, what is one? An air source heat pump, and how does it work? Okay, Mark, if you don't mind, I'll carry on. 
an SLC pump is um, uh, it's a way of transferring energy. And, and basically, you're taking the heat energy that is in ambient air, so outside air. Uh, you're taking that energy and you're transferring it into a usable form of heat energy and putting it into mostly a heating system, i.e. radiators or underfloor. So it's going into a wet system. And it works by um, a simple process of using a refrigerant, refrigerant gas, which um, is uh, enabled to, it, 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 it's able to take the energy from the heat by, by um, transitioning, if you like, from a liquid to a gas. So it boils to a gas and that's compressed. And when you compress a gas, when, the same as when you're pumping up a, a bicycle tire, for example, the energy that you're using, it, it, the compression part of it, that creates heat. Because when you compress something, it squeezes it together and that's creating heat. And so that heat is used and put into the heating circuits, the hot water circuits, um, the radiators, very, very simply. Um, so you you need some some power to do that. So you need some electrical energy to run the compressor. Um, but the output of energy, of heat energy that you get compared to the amount of electrical energy is usually something between two and a half, three, four times um, the, the amount of electrical energy you get, uh, you use. So the efficiencies of heat pumps are very, very good. Um, in comparison to a normal boiler, which is perhaps 90, 95% efficient at best on the, on the new boiler. Um, so you, that heat energy that's created, you're, you're taking the ambient uh, energy from the air, you, you create uh, the energy by squeezing the, the, the gas and then that goes into your hot water circuits, your radiator circuits. And that will work at any air temperature down to um, minus 20. You can get heat energy from ambient air down to minus 20 degrees centigrade. There is still heat energy available. Beyond that, it starts to become not efficient. It doesn't mean it won't work, but it becomes um, not as efficient um, in terms of uh, compared to a boiler perhaps, but anything down to minus 20. So in this country where we typically don't get, um, it's certainly in, in England, we, we rarely get temperatures below minus 10. The heat pump is going to work. It's going to work fine. It's going to be more efficient than a boiler. Um, and the, the, the normal range of temperatures down to sort of usual uh, one or two degrees, um, it's certainly a lot more efficient than a boiler. So we're able to use existing heating circuits, um, radiators, underfloor systems, um, there may be, and I stress the word may, be a need to increase the size of some of the radiators. Not always. Um, it's not an absolute given. Um, but, and what that means is if you're increasing radiator sizing, you'll be able to use a lower flow temperature, which means that you can uh, get more efficiencies. The same as you could if you did the same thing with a boiler. If you use bigger radiators, you could potentially run the boiler at lower temperatures. But with an SLC pump, the results are more dramatic. You do get much more efficiencies. So that's it in a nutshell, I think, I hope. Loads, loads there to ponder. And there's so many avenues we can go down from there. I mean, just from my experience of, of going around and 
doing various surveys, I get a lot of technical queries and questions on site, as I imagine, of course, you both do as well. It, it seems to me that the, the feedback I've had from people is, is they're almost fearful of, and, and fearfully in a good way, because they're so used to having, let's just for argument's sake, say they've got either a condensing combi boiler or they've got oil source because they live in the middle of nowhere or whatever. Mm. And they're used to their home being heated at a certain temperature. They like it. They're, and then they seem to be scared that if they then go onto an air source heat pump, that their home's not going to be as warm. Um, but then air source heat pumps are designed, as you say, to be more you know, constant as such. What would you say if, if people uh, are listening to this thinking about putting an air source heat pump in? And what can you do to allay those fits? Yeah, well, I can speak from personal experience. Um, again, Mark, forgive me for jumping in here. Um, I've replaced my gas boiler with an air source heat pump. So I'm on mains gas at home. I'm in a 300-year-old mid-terrace cottage um, that that has little wall insulation. It's got roof insulation, but it's got little wall insulation. And the house is as warm as it ever was with a, with a with the gas boiler. Um, I've changed about half of the radiators, not necessarily because they were uh, undersized. They were just old and knackered, um, and it was a good time opportunity to to change them so i've increased the size a little bit but they're not huge um and the house is kept at 22 degrees from 5 30 in the morning till uh 11 o'clock at night an absolute constant temperature all day long um and and that's done with a flow temperature from the heat pump through the radiators of 45 degrees centigrade uh, up to a maximum it, it's on weather compensation so when it's warmer outside but still needs heat, the, the flow temperature may actually be lower than that. So the radiators never feel hot. They are what I call comfortably hot in as that you can keep your hand on them, you can lean against them with your face if you want um, or cuddle them. And you know, you're not going to burn. You know, you're not going to think, Christ, I can't touch that, it's too hot, like you would with a normal boiler. So, the, but the, but. The, the system is on. It's not running all the time. It's on. And the heat pump will kick in and out throughout the day for various periods to, to keep the radiators um, up to whatever temperature they need to be, but to keep the house at that constant temperature. So the radiators throughout the day will be warmer or cooler. They're, sometimes they're on, sometimes they're not because the heating's on. Um, but I, I've... We've learned to sort of not take too much notice of what the radiators doing. It's what the air temperature of the house is. So is the house at 22 degrees? Yes, all day long, no matter what's happening outside. And that's then we've had this down to minus eight outside temperature, um, and and the house is just 22 degrees. And it, the heat pump does what it does. And in terms of running costs. Compared to the old gas boiler, I save about £150 a year on average overall on my fuel bill. So gas and electric combined. Obviously, my gas bill has gone down, but my electric bill has gone up. But the overall effect is a, a saving about 150 quid a year compared to when it was on pure gas. Um, and that's a, a, you know an annual bill of about 1,200 quid, something like that. So it's now down to just over £1,000. So not a huge saving, I'll, I'll admit, because the cost of gas is ridiculously cheap when compared to the cost of electric per kilowatt hour of energy. 
that's another subject we probably won't have time to go into here. But um, so I've got definite savings against gas. House is uh, comfortable, it's warm all day long. Um, and we're saving, I don't know, to be honest, I haven't calculated it, but quite a lot of CO2 compared to what we were producing. Um, it, it works. Simple as, you know, that's all I can say is it works. And an interesting point you just made there uh, that I think might allay or, you know, speak to a lot of people is you just said you live in a 300-year-old sort of cottage, uh, you know, style mm. property where I have heard from different people that maybe depending on the current home that you live in, uh, you know, do you have roof insulation, do you have wall insulation, do you have floor insulation, for example? Yeah that might have a big bearing on how effective an air source heat pump can be. But it sounds like because of the, the thermal qualities that your home has, i.e., you know, I guess stone or solid brick, more than likely stone, mm. it still sounds like it's running okay and there there is a cost saving there in comparison to gas. So that's they're all positives, I I would imagine, for, for people listening. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a cost saving, um, and it would be a bigger cost saving if it was against an oil boiler or an LPG boiler, um, because the the cost of that fuel. But um, it wasn't. I didn't do it for for the cost saving. I, I was fairly confident that I would save some money um, because I'm in the industry and I know how these things work. But I did it because um, to me it was just the right thing to do at the time. I, well, I suppose one reason I did it was because the boiler that I had was on its last legs. Um, so I had the opportunity then I could have just put in a new combi boiler for a thousand pound, whatever it would have cost, could have put in a new combi boiler. Um, I had the opportunity to, to put a, an air source heat pump in. Um, obviously it cost a lot more, but I'm getting the, the renewable heat incentive. So the cost difference, probably two or three times perhaps, no, not so. It probably cost me overall, once you take the grant into account, uh, a couple of thousand pounds more than it would have done for an oil boiler, uh, for, sorry, for a, uh, a gas boiler. But it isn't just about that. It's the, the, the CO2 saving that I'm making as well as actually, I think it's a, it's a nicer form of heat because it's a lower temperature, um, but still maintaining the house temperature. And you don't get those big peaks and troughs that you get sometimes with gas boilers if you're running them in the normal way where houses, you know, you're blasting out heat for a few hours in the morning and then you're doing the same thing in the evening. And in the meantime, the house is getting a bit cold during the day. Um, it's just, con and it's better for the house, I think. Constant temperature, much better for the whole house environment. Um, so there we are. I'm conscious I'm, I'm talking more, much more than Mark, so he might want to jump in at any time. <laughs> yeah, Mark, I was, going to direct, uh, I was going to direct the next question to you uh, anyway. Clive, thank you for that. So that, that. That's starting to make a lot of sense. I guess people, I shouldn't make an assumption of people, but I'm going to make an assumption anyway, that most people are going to be looking at, at cost. You know, what, what's the investment? What's the cost of it? Um, you know, how much does it cost to get installed, which which I know is a very open-ended question because it depends on the size of your home, where you live, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if people have got, I don't know, £10,000 sat in the bank and they've not got any government grants, and we know that Green Homes Grant has just 
uh, recently no applications are closed, but I'm sure there's, as you said, there's funding all the time. And people have got £10,000 in the bank and they're not overly concerned about the environment and, you know, they've got better things to spend £10,000 on, I don't know, a family holiday. What, what can the industry do to try and convince those sort of people that going down an air source heat pump route is the best thing to do? Is it going to be a lot more government grants? Mark, what do you think on that? Um, I, I think it's a, you know, that is a $64,000 question for sure, um, without a doubt. Um, I have to say, you know, the the incentive for people to change to heat pumps has principally been due to government grants. Um, it's been a myth, you know, a mythical technology that's been, you know, wrapped up and, and um, thought of as being kind of very mysterious. But ultimately, a heat pump's just a fridge in reverse. And most of us have probably got one of those anyway. Um, but I think if we look at the, 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 there's a couple of issues here. Um, one, heat pumps are, and it's likely to continue for some time, more expensive to install than a, a replacement boiler, for sure. I mean, there's no getting away from that. You can't get away from that. And probably three, four years ago, all of the inquiries we had were, you know, how much am I going to get from the renewable heat incentive, which has been the main grant behind all of this. But it, in the last year, I suppose, as a result of, you know, David Attenborough, bless him, Greta, bless her, and everybody else, the inquiries, the tone of inquiries has, has changed from um, how much am I going to get and how much am I going to save to what am I doing for the environment? And, and you know, our, our grid, electricity grid, is getting cleaner every day. And ultimately, there are, a heat pump produces absolutely no emissions at point of use. So, you know, that it's not like burning fossil fuels. And, and we are all, I think, probably more uh, now aware of the effect of um, carbon emissions and climate. And I think you have to say, what price, you know, what price climate change? Because there is going to be a, an economic trade-off here, uh, which is which is why um, heat pumps are supported as a technology because it is, um, you know, zero emissions at point of use. Um, I can probably live without gas. I can probably live without oil. I probably can't live without electricity, and it's getting cheaper every day. And more and more is is produced from renewable sources every single day. So, so I kind of think there's a bit of a change in generations. I mean, Clive and I are old enough to have grown up with coal fires, you know, and Tim Bath in front of. Um, so, you know, things have changed for sure. But um, it, it, I'm sure it's a generational thing and they will continue to be supported as a technology. And I am glad, by the way, that Clive did go on for a bit because the recycling men went past my house, woke my dog up, and I found the mute button at the bottom left of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I love the uh, love the extra information. That's really useful. Uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for sharing, Mark. It's, it's interesting what you you mentioned there. Again, it quite possibly could be a generational thing, and there's more awareness now of more than, more so than ever climate change, cleaner ways to do things, recycling renewables. Uh, you know, all of the above. A couple of things that you you've both touched upon there: renewable heat incentives and, and RHI as people will possibly know let's quickly touch on what one of those is and, and how that works so, well I'll, I'll, I'll carry on for a bit as I, I can see clive resting on his chin thoughtfully on the video um so um yeah well uh, the renewable heat incentive is 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 
as it says, it's an incentive to encourage you to use a heat pump instead of a boiler. Um, the government brought it in to dissuade you from changing your old oil boiler to a new oil boiler when the time came. And it was to kind of make up that differential in costs. So if they thought a, a heat pump was going to cost you £5,000 more than a new boiler, you were going to get another £5,000 from the government um, plus a bit. Uh, as an additional incentive. Um, there is, without a doubt, a saving, as Clive alluded to, if you compare a heat pump to, let's say, an oil or LPG boiler. And the saving is quite substantial. So I suppose if somebody went out with the mindset of um, buying a new car, would they look at the cost of the car or would they look at the economy of it and what they were doing for the environment? I don't know. It's, it's very individual, very personal. But the incentive is there to dissuade you from using fossil fuel technology. Um, fossil fuels are being phased out this decade, as I'm sure you're aware of. I think it's 2025 for new mains gas connections or actually as early as 2023 um, in a lot of uh, councils that have declared a climate change emergency. So they're taking it seriously and saying, we don't want any more gas. Um, a ditto for oil, that's certainly being phased out as well. Um, so I, I think it is that that's generation thing. It's an educational thing. People shouldn't be afraid of heat pumps. It's just a super efficient electric boiler. It'll go in, it'll heat your home in hot water just as a boiler would, but it'll do it in a nicer way. But the incentives, the renewable heat incentive <clears throat> closes to new applicants in at the end of March next year. Um, it, uh, it, it, carry, it will carry on in some form or another. Uh, you mentioned yourself the Green Homes Grant, which had a, you know, hit a few speed bumps on the way. Um, but it has kind of created a template <clears throat> for the future. And what we are led to believe at the moment is when the renewable heat incentive just goes to new applicants, uh, there will be probably some kind of flat rate grant that says, I want a heat bump, and the government will give you money. So, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with free money from the government, which is you know, to be applauded by all of us, I'm sure. So um, that, that's kind of where it's going. Uh, and I think it kind of demonstrates the how seriously the UK government takes um, <clears throat> the issue of carbon emissions and climate change, because this is one way of dramatic redu dramatically reducing our carbon emissions and, and hopefully helping all of us in the future. Just on just on that, Mark, I was just thinking of, off the top of my head, let's just say you live, uh, you know, if you live in like a regular mid-terrace property or semi-detached in, you know, suburbia, I'm sure there's not an issue as such. But if you lived in Let's go back to your example there, Clive. Let's just say you live in a 300-year-old stone cottage. I know that everyone doesn't live in those sort of properties, but just going to use you as an example. You live in a 300-year-old uh, stone property. Let's just say you've got no loft insulation, you've got no wall insulation, you've got no other forms of insulation. How, how beneficial is it to then get the heat source pump in, or would you then look at combining that with other forms of insulation to make sure you get in? The, the best use of, of, of finance and best use of energy there? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a, a sensible approach to any um, heating of any property is is what they call fabric first. Um, and that's where possible to insulate as much as you can within a, with a reasonable cost attached to it. So um, as you said, with, with no roof insulation, for most properties, it's not difficult to insulate the roof. If you've got a standard kind of attic, our, our loft here is is quite um, uh, tight to get into. It's it's uh, we've got quite high ceilings in the bedrooms, 
So the, the loft space itself, you can't do more than I can literally just about crawl through it. But it was, you know, we, we had insulated um, acid factories. We had a new roof put on a few years ago. So we took that opportunity to, up, to upgrade the insulation then. But as a surveyor, I, I when I'm doing surveys, I see all kinds of lofts and there are very, very few that I see that cannot be insulated. Um, it's only where you've got a, a room without a loft that's on a pitch ceiling um, where it becomes a bit trickier, but there are ways of doing it. So the fabric first approach is, is should be followed where possible. Difficult with solid walls. We haven't insulated our solid walls. We could do insulate them internally. Um, I wouldn't want to do it externally. I could do it internally. Um, but it's 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 quite a, uh, a disruptive thing. But without doing that, we're just upgrading the roof insulation. With, and, and I haven't we've done nothing with the the walls or the floors. We've still seen the benefits of the heat pump. Um, mm. So uh, th there isn't a property that cannot have a heat pump on it. It's, it's, it's a, uh, I think this, is, this should be seen as an absolute fact. There is no property that cannot have a heat pump. It just depends on how much heat is required by that property as to whether the, uh, the economics of it stack up in the first place. A heat mm. pump, uh, you've got the right size of heat pump, it will keep up with the heat demand, no matter what that heat demand is. It's no I think to, to put mm. a boiler in. Go on, Mark, if you want to jump in. Yeah, I think what we should say there is, well, first of all, we should clarify that it's actually a, a waistline problem that's stopping you getting into your loft clive. But that aside, um, you know, the heat demand of a property, irrespective of what's heating it, is exactly the same. So the demand of the property will be the same, whether it's an oil boiler, an LPG boiler, a heat pump, uh, a log burner or anything else. It's just how that demand is met. Um, without a doubt, it would be very, very sensible to do what you can on insulation for um, and you know most properties now have double glazing we've all seen the benefits there most properties have been given insulation and there are even benefits to those but fabric of first approach is a good approach whatever you're doing even if you want to keep on with your kind of old beloved oil boiler because it's going to save you energy anyway but remember the heat load is exactly the same whatever's heating it it's just how we meet it yeah well i, I wanted to kind of i might kind of moving away from from the older properties perhaps and i don't know if this is relevant but new builds one thing that are that i'm that i think is a, is a real shame at the moment is that they're not legislating right now for every new build house to have a heat pump or a lower uh co2 form of heating um there are other kinds available but generally heat pumps are the easiest and best it would be so easy to to, to get legislation in now for every new build house to have a heat pump installed instead of a boiler. The cost difference when you're doing it at scale with developments is far, far less than it is when on a retrofit. So the difference in cost between putting a boiler in and a heat pump in where you have to add in main all the main services for gas, et cetera, et cetera, um, add that into the cost you're probably talking of a couple of thousand pound more per property to have a heat pump put in. Why they can't do that right now is beyond me. They're waiting. They said 2025, 
Um, uh, there'll be no new new mains gas connections and no new gas boilers in properties. Um, they could do it from tomorrow. I know why they won't, and it's a whole different subject. It's all to do with the gas um, gas companies lobbying and things like that. But that's, that's it's political rather than um, how do you call it environmental uh, is is stopping that change happening now. But I won't get onto that bandwagon anymore. So anyway, to go go back to the topic. Um, uh, you you were going to ask a question, Robert. I think. Um, uh, well, yeah. Mark, uh, Clive, uh, just uh, I think we've covered some great. Or I think we, you both have covered some fantastic content. You know what air source heat pumps are, how they work. Clive, you've given a great example of your home and how you found that to be beneficial. We touched upon renewable heat incentives as well, and. I guess the message that we can take away from this is that the industry that we're in is always going to be changing and adapting. This is a massive change and adaption that's coming up. And for people that would be concerned about costing, fair to say that there's always going to be some form of funding available. Maybe it's just a case of finding out where it is, who's got it and, and how to apply for it. They're my thoughts that I would take away from today. But is there anything else that either of you two want to add that you feel is pertinent to the conversation? Um, I'll, I'm not sure if Mark's going to jump in. But um, in terms of, I think, um, people's reticence to, to, to look at heat pumps, uh, there is a lot of, I'm not going to call this misinformation um, or anything like that. There's a lot of... Um, not good knowledge out there. There's a lot of people that think um, heat pumps aren't very good. Don't aren't won't won't keep the house warm enough. Um, will be expensive to run. And in all honesty, there have been some test projects, test cases, if you like, where um, for for whatever reason the the installation hasn't been particularly brilliant. And therefore, the, the the economics of it, the, the running costs of the, of the system, haven't necessarily stacked up. So, <clears throat> the one thing to be very careful of is, is, as in any industry, is if you're interested in having a system put in, you've got to do a bit of research and look for a, a reputable, uh, trusted company that that will take the care and the time to listen to what you want and what your um, fears are and then address those those worries and offer you the system that they, they believe is going to be the, the best one for your property because there is no one size fits all. It is a different industry to, uh, it's a different thing from having a gas boiler put in where typically, um, and this is no disrespect to any heating engineer or, or plumber, but your, your, your average um, heating guy would come along, look at the house, go, yeah, you need a 25 kilowatt boiler because that will be perfectly adequate. Um, it, will, it will do the heating, it will do the hot water. It will be um, reasonably efficient to, to, to run. Um, and the, and the, the way that things were sized up in the past was very much rule of thumb. So that they would come along and do that. Heat pumps need to be carefully sized. They need to be done um, to match the building. Um, if you have one that's too big, 
it will be inefficient because it's it's turning on and off too often. If you have one that's too small for obvious reasons, it's not going to heat the property. So they have to be sized quite accurately. So these installs need to be done carefully. It needs to be some time taking over, getting the right size, the right um, the right heat pump because there are different types of heat pump as well. So it, I would say do some research, but engage with um, a rep- reputable uh, company who is MCS accredited. They're, that is the, the governing body, if you like, for heat pumps. Um, and they will then, um, they should then be reasonably safe in the knowledge that they're going to get a system that's right for their house. Mark, anything to add to that? Um, the um, yeah, I was just waiting for Clay, Clyde to take a breath. To be honest, um, <laughs> uh, the um, none taken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I, I have to say, in, in, what Clive said is absolutely right, uh, and it's it's not it's some of the installations that are there uh, are ha- have not been done as well as they might have been, um, because the, you know the people need educating on the systems, and and. And as Clive said, with no disrespect, people need to need training and educating on how to do things just a little bit differently. That's all, um, and it is just doing things a little bit differently. You know, it's not it's not particularly hard to install a fridge in your house. Um, there's a little more work involved in a heat pump, even though it is essentially the same device. Um, however. This is uh, public awareness needs to be increased. Um, installer awareness needs to increase. And I have to say, for heat pump installers, customers, consumers are protected probably better than any other sector of the market. I mean, we had to go through an MCS accreditation process. We had to become Trustmark registered. We have to be members of a consumer code and trading standard institute and so on as do all accredited installers. Um, And uh, even then, I mean, Clive and I have done some audits for an energy company. Um, It's a, you know, it's a well-known energy company uh, because they're very conscious of the fact that it needs to be done to the best of uh, an installer's ability. But the same would be true of a boiler. Um, Instead, as Clive quite rightly said, you know, people go along and say, well, slap in one of those because it's an easy thing to do. Um, We're just trying to, you know, install something that's been correctly sized and dimensioned for the system. So, uh, which is something that will have to be done for boilers in the future anyway. So, um, yeah, consumers are well protected. Uh, I think it's um, it's a down to public awareness and change. And despite the bumpy road that the Green Home Grant has been on, it's been very uh, effective in making people awareness of the technologies that are available for sure. Wonderful stuff. I think that's a fantastic place to leave it. I think it's been absolutely packed for the content this episode. So thank you to both yourself, uh, Clive and Mark, for taking the time out to share your knowledge with with the audience for those people that might want to get in touch with people that might want to find out more about renewable heat incentives and yourselves how do people get in touch with you but I, I guess if people just Googled Optimum Energy Solutions or looked up Clive and Mind's name, then they, they'd find us there somewhere. Um, but um, other installers are available for sure. So, but you, you, you will find us on Google. Um, but uh, and uh, we're happy to have the opportunity to just hopefully increase the awareness a little bit anyway, Robert. 
Perfect. And, and as always, we'll put links to that in the show notes. Well, guys, uh, much obliged. I think that was absolutely fantastic. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers, Robert. Cheers, Pleasure, Robert. Yeah, glad we could help. <laughs>